Amen. All right, let's grab a Bible. If you need a Bible right in the back of the pew, right there in front of you, there should be a Bible. Let's grab one and let's go to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians. Let's go to the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go past the Gospels. The letter to the church. Acts. Keep going past that. Romans. You get to 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Keep going a little bit more. Galatians. Then Ephesians. We're going to be in the letter to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's go to the last chapter. And what we're doing in this series of sermons, the series is called Stand. And what we're looking at is this last passage in this letter that Paul has written to the church at Ephesus. The last chapter, it's kind of the, the goodbye, the farewell that Paul was saying. He's giving them a final note. And if you remember in that final note, it started last week. The first sermon in the series was last week. We looked at verse 10 only. Ephesians 6 verse 10, finally, Paul writes, finally. And he's not just saying, in no way is he writing, okay, I know this has been a long letter, because it's not a long letter. You can look, flip back a few pages, it's not a long letter. What Paul is saying, and finally, is he's saying everything that's been said up to this point, here it's all wrapped up right here. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And so that was last week's sermon. This week, what I want us to look at is, okay, how? How do we do that? That is verses 11 through 13. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at three verses, chapter 6, Ephesians 6, 11 through 13. And so again, if you need a Bible, I am so thankful. We've got a Sunday school class now that is coming through about once a month, and they're checking every pew, and if a Bible needs to be replaced, they're replacing it. And so we really mean it when we say, if you need a Bible, take one. Take that one. That's what it's there for. Ephesians chapter 6. Here we go. We're going to start reading in verse 10 again. Because I just want us to get it in mind, the whole passage. Verse 10. Here we go. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Let's pray. As I lead us in prayer, would you please pray? I'm really asking you to join in. You pray for yourself. And you remember, we can pray a prayer as simple as what Eli told Samuel to pray. He said, Samuel, go and lie back down and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so as I lead us in prayer, would you, you please pray? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, there is not a moment of this whole service that could be done without you. And Lord, it's because we desire for every single one of us to change for your name's sake, to change to be like you. And so, Lord, that can't happen on our own. We need you. Lord, we can't understand one single word of what we just read without the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, we can't convict our own hearts of sin 
the areas of our heart that we're holding back from you, Lord, so many times they're hidden even to ourselves. We don't even know the sin in our life. And so, Lord, we need you. Father, I pray that the things that are distracting in me, that you would remove them. Because, Lord, I so desire for people to hear from you. And, Lord, we pray for someone this morning to be saved. Lord, we're so thankful last Sunday morning after the service that someone got saved. Lord, we pray that this would be the day. Lord, we pray for lives to be recommitted to you. Lord, we pray that you would add to us, call out from us. And, Father, I pray that we would reveal ourselves to you, Lord, that we would examine ourselves. Father, we would open up to you. And so, Lord, may you have your way now in this place. We pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. To you belongs the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How are we strong in the Lord? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. How do we do it? All right, verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God. Then I want you to look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, take up the whole armor of God. Now, don't miss that. Because in essence, if we were to take verses 11 and 13 for just a moment, you're going to look and see they're almost duplicates of one another. Verse 11 Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Then look at verse 13. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand withstand in the evil day. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Verse 13, take up the whole armor of God. Verse 11, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 13, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. They are almost duplicates of one another. And I want you to hear again, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able, don't miss that, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. In other words, here's point number one, you will not be able to stand against the schemes of the devil without the full armor of God. That is what Paul is saying in verses 11 and 13. What Paul did is he said, put on, take up, that you may be able to stand, that you may be able to withstand. And in other words, if you simply put it in the other way, Paul is saying you will not be able to stand against the schemes of the devil without the whole armor of God. And so in verses 11 and 13, by duplicating himself, what he's doing is he's bookending the meat He's bookending that something that is very important, which is right there in verse 12. Why is it that we have to have the whole armor of God? Why is it that we have to have spiritual protection? Well, look at verse 12. Because you're not wrestling with flesh and blood. Paul's saying this isn't a physical battle. You're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but instead you are wrestling against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. In other words, this is a spiritual battle. You have to have spiritual protection. That's why you've got to put on the whole armor of God. That's why you've got to take up the whole armor of God because you're not fighting flesh and blood, you're fighting spiritual forces. And folks, a lot of times we think, well, you know, I I think I can handle myself just fine. And so 
let's do this. If tomorrow, if the guy next to you at work, if the woman that you run into at the store that seems to be a problem in your life, if that's who your problem is, if that's all you're wrestling against is a person, well, then get up in the morning, brush your hair and comb your teeth, or <laughs> comb your hair and brush your teeth, put on your nice clothes, look yourself in the mirror, get fired up, hey, we can do this, and then go out and take on the world. But Paul's going to say to you, that guy next to you, that's not your problem. That person in church that you have a problem with, that's not your problem. That person that you run into and you just seems like you just butt heads all the time, that's, he's not, she's not, that's not the problem. You're not wrestling with flesh and blood. You're wrestling with the spiritual forces. And so friends, listen, why do we need the whole armor of God? Because verse 12 says, your fight is against the rulers. Okay, well then we need the one who rules over the nations. That's Psalm 22. If we're going up against a ruler, we need the one who rules over all the nations, and that is God. It keeps going. You're going up against the authorities. Well, then we need the one who in Matthew 28 says, all authority has been given to me, and that's Jesus Christ. You're going up against rulers. You're going up against authorities. You're going up against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, well, then we need the one who is the creator of the cosmos if we're going up against cosmic powers. Folks, we can't do this. That's why Paul says twice, verse 11, verse 13, you have to have the whole armor of God because this is not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. He keeps going. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Well, then I need the one who is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And the only one who can protect me, the only one who can enable me to stand against the schemes of the devil is God. And so, folks, if you've ever wondered, and we do this as kids, why are we going to church this morning? Do we have to go to church today? If you've ever wondered, because our battle is a spiritual battle, we need the full, whole armor of God. Because without it, we will not stand against the schemes of the devil. And so here's point number two. Because we're not wrestling against that which is seen. We're wrestling against that which is unseen. Again, I'm just trying to help us understand why is Paul being so, in, uh, so particular that it has to be the armor of God? Because what we're wrestling against is not that which is seen, but that which is unseen. And so this is going to be one of those sermons. Uh, the, the folks here in our church that have known me for a long, all these years, uh, we, we, we have a, a running joke about my preaching, and that is it's not the number of points, it's the number of subpoints. And so here we go. There's only three points to this whole sermon, point one, two, and three, but under point two, we've got five subpoints. There's something we've got to understand about this one that the scripture is talking about. Because over and over again, Paul's going to keep referring to this one. 
Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to take your stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. There is one who's going to be shooting darts at you. Who is this one? Well, here's, here's sub point A. Satan is real. Satan is real. From Genesis chapter 3, whenever the serpent, serpent deceives Eve and Eve... Uh, gives it to, to Adam, and Adam and Eve sin against God. Satan is real. When you go to Job chapter 1, and Satan goes after Job, Satan is real. When you get to Matthew chapter 4, and the scripture says that Jesus is driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he is tempted by Satan, Satan is real. And folks, we have to understand that. It was... Uh, George Barna, and you guys have heard of George Barna, he does the polls. George Barna uh, did a poll where he found that only 27% of Americans believe that Satan is real. So that's a little over one-fourth believe that Satan is real. Uh, they, they, they largely believe that this whole idea of Satan is, is just hogwash, that uh, he's just a, a symbol of evil, but, but Satan is not real. Folks, I want you to know that poll was taken uh, 15 years ago. 15 years ago, only a fourth of Americans believed that Satan was real. Well, one of my favorite authors, Christian authors, is C.S. Lewis. I've mentioned that to you several times before. Look, look at this quote. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, that being the demons, are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist and a magician with the same delight. If you're a materialist and you say, you know what, if you can't see it, it's not real. I don't believe in anything that I can't see. The demons are thrilled with that error. Or if you have an excessive and unhealthy interest in them, you're constantly thinking about Satan and even dabbling in the things of Satan, the demons are thrilled with that position as well. But as followers of Christ, if you have called upon the name of Christ, if you're searching for truth, what I want you to hear this morning is Satan is real. And he wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. Well, here's the second thing about Satan. He's subtle. And where do we get that? Well, in, in verse 11, that you may be able to stand against the schemes. In the Greek, what we translate as the word schemes, in the Greek mind, what they were hearing was cunning arts. They were hurt, hearing deceit. They were hearing well-crafted trickery. That's the word that we translate schemes. Now, what's interesting about that word is I want you to see it written in the Greek. Here it is. And if you're thinking, huh, that looks like where we get the word method. Well, it is. Our word for method, which means a standard procedure, something that you do, what are the methods that we're going to use that is the very word that is used here to help us to understand that what Satan is going to be doing against you is his standard op uh, 
modus operandi. It is his standard operating procedure. This is his method. He uses deceit. He uses trickery. And so all of us, but especially for all of the young adults, young people that are here, please know that what Satan uses is deceit. He uses trickery. I think oftentimes we think that, well, I'll always be able to recognize sin because it's going to look like sin. It's going to look really ugly and it's going to look awful. And I'll know, ooh, I don't want that. That's not how Satan packages it. He uses deceit. He uses trickery. He makes us think that premarital sex is the way to go, that you'll be far happier, you'll be far more popular if you engage in that, and he's wrong. He makes us think that pornography will be pleasing to us. He'll make us think that any sex outside of marriage is wonderful, and he's wrong. He never shows the other side of the what's going to come out of that. And so please know he uses trickery and deceit. And you guys, our, our hearts across this community, we join in with the city of Moore. We are heartbroken over what happened to those young people at Moore High School. And we need to hear something. In commercials about alcohol, I've never once seen them show a pickup running into a group of students on a sidewalk. They always show us the pleasantries. They always show us how wonderful it is, how good it will make you feel. They never show us the other side. And so please know that Satan is subtle. Even the scripture tells us that sin is pleasurable for a season. It will look good. It will look attractive. You'll start rationalizing to yourself, well, I, I think I could just dabble in it a little bit. Because Satan is subtle. Here's the third sub point underneath that. He will seek out you out because he wants to destroy you. He will seek you out. Please know that whatever are the vulnerabilities in our life, Satan knows them. And whenever Jesus encountered Satan in the wilderness, I want you to remember what the scripture says. In Luke it says, and, and at the end of that third temptation, Satan departed from him to come back for a more opportune time. We've got to remember that. If you, if you think, well, I, I think I'm okay. I don't really ever encounter Satan that much. There was a preacher who was preaching a sermon one time, and he was preaching on Satan. And a lady came up to him after the service and said, in all my years, I'm 80 years old, I've never once encountered Satan. And the pastor said, could it be that you're walking in the same direction? If we say, well, you know, I just don't deal with Satan, then please know he knows about you. And he will seek you out because he wants to destroy you. This isn't games that we're playing here. Here's the fourth sub point. He has boundaries. He has boundaries. 
Satan is real. He is subtle. He will come after you, but please know he does have boundaries. Our God is sovereign. Our God is the God of the universe. When Satan went after Job, Satan had to get permission from God because Satan has boundaries. I want you to look at a verse of scripture. This one's going to be on the screen. 1 John 5, 18. Listen to this. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him. God protects him and the evil one does not touch him because Satan has boundaries. Friend, if this day, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, if today you would confess before the Lord, Lord, I know that I have sinned against you, and I understand that I deserve to die because the wages of sin is death, but I believe that Jesus Christ died for me and rose again, so Lord, I give my life to you. Lord, I entrust, I put my whole faith in you. Come into my heart and save me. Friend, I want you to know from that moment for all of eternity, Satan cannot touch your soul. Your soul is hidden in Christ. You are transformed. And Satan cannot touch your soul. But boy, he wants to damage your witness. He wants to damage the work that God wants to do in your life. He wants to damage the will of God in your life. He wants to go after all of this, but Satan has boundaries. He cannot touch your soul. And so this day, don't walk in condemnation anymore. Don't let the spirit of the sons of disobedience be at work in your heart anymore. Don't follow the prince of the power of the air, the course of this world. Don't follow it anymore, but instead, commit your life to Christ. And then here's the last sub-point. He will get as close as you let him. And where do we get that? I want you to listen again to verse 11. For we do not, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, use the word wrestle. For we do not wrestle. That's, that's hand to hand. That's arm in arm. But if you've ever watched any wrestling on TV, and I'm not talking about WWE. Can we all understand what we're talking about here? I'm talking about the wrestling where they are opposite of each other. And there is the point at which they're doing everything they can to keep the other at arm's length because they're waiting for the opportunity. Satan will only get as close as you let him. The scripture says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so please understand, he's only going to get as close as you let him. So here's the last point. So then what are we to do? Put on and take up the whole armor of God. Verse 11, put on. When Paul writes the words, put on, he is using a word which literally means to clothe. As a matter of fact, if you were to go to Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son, you would see there where the father says to the servants, bring the best robe and put it on him. It's the same word. Put on. The difference here is in Luke 15, the servants are putting the robe on the son. What Paul is writing here is that we've got to put on. It is a, you 
as a follower of Christ that we are to take the initiative, we are to take the action of putting on the whole armor of God. In other words, God has made it available. Will you put it on? It's right there. Will you put it on? Put on the whole armor of God. And I want you to know that this garment, this armor of God, is the only garment that you put on from the inside out. I want you to listen as the armor is described, and we're going to get into this more in depth next week, but listen to how the armor is described. Verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Friends, we don't have a true heart. And boy, the world will want to say that about us. Man, he had such a true heart. Here's what Jeremiah chapter 17 says about our hearts. The heart of man is deceitful and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That is our heart. And so in order to have a true heart, I've got to be changed from the inside. In order to have the breastplate of righteousness... It can't be a righteousness of my own. That's not going to fend off against Satan's arrows. But instead, it's got to be a righteousness of God. And so this is a garment that is put on from the inside out. And so put on, and then listen to the Paul's second word, take up. Isn't it interesting that Paul would use two different words? Put on the whole armor of God and take up the armor of God. And it's because I want you to look at the rest of the armor of God. It says in verse 15, shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of either one. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. Do you see this? Take, take up. Take, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit. And so folks, whenever you trust Christ as Savior, there is a one time putting on. The armor of God comes on. I've got the helmet of salvation. And then every single day, I'm taking up as well. Every single day, I've got to take up the word of God. Every day, I've got to take up the mantle of prayer and pray. And I want you to know, that's where this all hit me. And so I don't want to be misunderstood here on what I'm about to, what the Lord has laid on my heart in the middle of the night to say. I am going to preface this by saying I am for education. Everyone hear that? I'm for education. I got to be in a small public school from kindergarten through 12th grade, Seminole schools, the green and white forever. Then after a small public experience, I went to a small private experience. I went to OBU, graduated from there. Then I went from a small private to a large public, went to University of North Texas, master's and doctorate was done there. I've experienced small public, small private, large public. You guys, 21 years of my life, I have been in education. I am for education. I love 
education. But the evils of our world, the schemes of the devil, are not an educational problem or an intellectual problem. It's not an academic problem. It's not a mental problem or an emotional problem. It's not a social problem. It is a spiritual problem. And so Paul says, put on and take up because this is a spiritual battle. And so again, please listen. So many times in dealing with the evils of our world, the world's answer is we just need to educate the young people. We just need to educate. We need to educate them about the risk of sexually transmitted diseases. We need to educate them about racism. We need to educate them about all these things. That won't do it. It's not an educational problem. Folks, we're more educated than we've ever been before. We have students in Ivy League schools at our most prestigious universities that are participating in racist acts. Is the issue education? Were they just not educated? That's not it. Satan is going to have his way unless there is the whole armor of God. That is the only way you will stand against the schemes of the devil is if it is the whole armor of God. And so, folks, what happens is I wake up, and it's morning time, and we still take the paper. The paper is like it's this white thing, and it comes rolled up. You pull the rubber band off. We still take the paper. And so I'll read the sports section. I'll read the funnies. My wife is looking at Facebook, and, and, and then we make sure the Twitter feed, we, we check all that. And so we read all these things, and now we're ready for the day because I've read the paper. I've read the scroll at the bottom of the screen to check the latest news. We've checked Twitter feed. We've checked Facebook. But I have not read the Word of God. And I'm ready to face the day. Satan is going to be coming after me. He's going to be coming after you. And we're going to walk out into this battlefield completely unguarded. And so before I leave the house, I make sure that I talk to my wife and I maybe call the church and I check in with June and I call a couple of the ministers and I talk to friends and I talk to family and I talk to everyone, but I don't talk to God. And I am completely unprotected. And so what we do is we say, well, but wait a minute, you're not completely, because you've got the helmet of salvation, you are saved and you, you've got a true heart because Christ lives in your heart now. Back in the medieval times, whenever they wore the full armor, you remember that? My wife and I, we took the boys to Chicago one year. We wanted them to be able to see Wrigley Field, and we wanted them to see Soldier Field, where the, the Bears play. And we wanted to take them up Sears Tower and John Hancock. We wanted them to experience all the things that Chicago had. Well, my wife wanted to go to the Chicago Museum of Art. That was not a popular choice with our sons. But when we got there, my wife was enthralled. She loves Monet and Renoir and Impressionism and all that. She loves all those paintings. And so I found out there was a knight in shining armor exhibit down on the bottom floor. Oh, I said, honey, I'm taking the boys. And so we hustled down there. 
And we're looking at, and there was one of them that was incomplete. And it's because at a certain point in history, they had figured out that having all those plates on their legs was prohibiting the running. They couldn't run as fast. I mean, we even see it on football teams today. The pads that they're wearing, well, the ways it's like, there's nothing hardly there anymore. And it's because they wanted to be able to run fast. Well, what they didn't know, and we do know now, is that some of the largest arteries in your body are in your legs. You get sliced there. One of our police officers here in our church, a member of our church, was telling me that he went through a training here recently. And, and I can't remember the exact figures, but he said if a, if a large artery gets sliced in about 90 seconds, you're going to be unconscious. In about five minutes, you're going to be dead if it's not staunched. Well, we've got to make sure then that we've got the whole armor of God. And we say, well, well Doug, okay, I'm saved. Is that not enough? Well, Paul's saying we've got to have the whole armor. If I'm walking out of the house and I haven't read the scripture, I haven't talked with the Lord, if throughout the day I'm not thinking about his word, and friends, I'm not pleased, you know me, I don't teach a, 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 a relationship with God where, okay, read for five minutes, pray for five minutes, and then the whole rest of the day, you've, you can tick that off, you're done, you don't have to mess with it anymore. That's not our relationship. That's not a relationship. But instead, I read the word before I ever walk out the front door. And man, it was in Cambodia. It was the first time I learned that lesson. I, go, I get to go to Cambodia with Ruffin and Daniel Snow on a mission trip. And that first morning, we woke up in Phnom Penh. Man, it was an overwhelming sense of urgency from the Lord. I don't want to walk out this hotel room door until I have spent time with God. Because, Lord, I need the whole armor of God. And so we hear about campaigns, and I'm not talking political campaigns. I'm talking about campaigns where they're raising awareness of certain things. And folks, again, I'm not against education. I'm not against raising awareness. But whenever we seek to raise awareness, we have to understand that will, that will never raise us up out of the muck and mire of our sin. It might make us a little more sensitive to things. And folks, I'm not just talking about alcohol abuse and drug abuse. Again, let's talk about the issue of racism. Let's talk about the issue of divisiveness in our country. Let's talk about how the civility in our conversation or really the lack of civility in our conversation. That's what we're talking about. And so I'm going to leave you with two things. Here's number one. Against the enemy, you're either standing or falling. And please know, I'm just trying to preach the word of God. And so often we want a third option. We say, well, I'm not really standing. I mean, I, I'm giving in a lot. I'm really not standing against the devil, but I wouldn't say I'm falling. Folks, listen, when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he was either going to stand or he was going to fall. There's not a third option. If Jesus had not stood 
against the temptations of Satan, we wouldn't be here today. Jesus was either going to stand or he was going to fall. When Peter was tempted to deny, he was either going to stand and not deny or he was going to fall. Last week, I used the illustration of babies. You remember how a baby has to be able to roll over and then they have to be able to sit up and then they have to be able to crawl and then they have to be able to stand up before they can walk. Each of these is a progression that builds on the other. Folks, it's the same thing in our spiritual lives. We've got to have each one of these things. And whenever a baby first takes that stand... We all know that baby's either standing or that baby's falling. There's not a third option. And it's the same with us. Against the enemy, you're either standing or falling. And then here's the second thing I want to leave you with. It is impossible. It is impossible to live out what Ephesians teaches us. Without Christ. Well, so what is Ephesians Ephesians teaching us? Ephesians 4, walk worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Ephesians 5, be imitators of God and walk in love. Speak truthfully to one another for you're members of one body. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Only what is gracious to the hearer. Don't go to bed angry because you'll give the devil a foothold. Forgive one another just as in Christ God has forgiven you. Be controlled by the Spirit. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. All of these things, it's impossible to live that way without Christ. I've got to be changed. And so if for some you're thinking, man, this was kind of a downer sermon. We walk from here saying, what did your preacher talk about? Oh, he talked a lot about Satan. It was really kind of a bummer because Satan this, Satan that. Can I share with you some final thoughts? 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Look at 1 John 5, 4. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. God's people said, amen. What else did John say? Look at John 16, I think it is. John 16, in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Let's do a couple more. Revelation, I want you to see where all this is heading. Revelation chapter 20. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from... That's not Revelation 20. That's not it either. All right, let me, let me read it because this is important. Revelation 20. Verse 10, listen to this. 
And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's how this whole thing's going to end. Yes, Satan is real. Yes, he does have some authority now. Yes, he does have some power now, but there will be a day when he is cast into the lake of fire and he will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And so Romans 16, 20, last one. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Folks, when I would be on vacation with my family as a kid, my wife and I have one of our sons, our second son, Zachary. Zachary was always ready to head back home. He just loved being at home. And he got that a lot from me. And I can remember saying to my dad, Dad, how much farther? And he would say, Son, we're almost home. We are almost home. And when we got sons of our own, you encourage them by saying to them, we're almost home. We have grandkids now. We got to be with them in January. And a couple of times we said to them, we're almost home. I know who stands before me. I know who stands behind me. The God of angel armies, he's on my side. And so this day, do you know, Pastor, yes, I I know that I have put on the whole armor of God. I've got the helmet of salvation. I am assured of that. The Holy Spirit's at work in me. Now let me ask you, are you taking up the whole armor of God? Are you reading His Word? Are you praying? Are you taking up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of Satan? Today, I'm inviting you to take hold of the one who's taken hold of you. Jesus Christ is offering salvation. He will come into your heart and save you. You come. It may be you need to recommit your heart to the Lord. You come. If the Lord's leading you to put your life here, come. Don't put it off any longer. Let's today, Lord, today, this is the day for me. However the Lord leads, you respond to him. Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful. We are almost home. And so, Lord, I pray that in these moments, someone here would be ready to meet the Lord. Father, I pray that your will would be done in each heart, and we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Stand with me. This is what we call the invitation, and here's all that means. We're inviting you to respond to what God's calling you to do. We're inviting you to come and talk with someone. Share with someone. You say, well, I don't even know what I would say. We'll help you with that. But in this invitation, you respond to how God is speaking to your heart.